Amen, amen. Good morning, Identity Church. Well, um, I'm on a second Sunday, part two of our Hope and Expectation series. Um, you know, this week I've got a, you know, the, the title of this is uh, Disappointment, Depression, and Despair. Doesn't that just lift you up? I mean, that's what I'm going for is I'm going for a really uplifting you know, message here this morning. But I'm going to tell you, you know, it's funny because I use this and everybody goes, oh, man, disappointment, depression, despair. You know, I, I will tell you, when you study the word about, about the way God deals with disappointment, depression, and despair, it's always in the positive. It doesn't mean that those things are positive, but he never gives you scriptures where it says, Yep, you're going, to be, you're going to be in despair. And you know, I looked at this this week and I, the Lord kept just putting this on my heart because I didn't want to teach on disappointment, you know, depression and despair. But disappointment, depression, and despair is the way that Satan loves to get people's mind, will, and emotions going. Disappointment leads to depression Depression leads to despair. You know that we ended up over this last year, the coronavirus disappointed a lot of people. Their jobs, their families, their, I mean, you can, you name it, it affected every aspect of it. I mean, I was pretty disappointed and in depression when there was no toilet paper at the very beginning of it. I'm just going to be honest with you. Toilet paper is important to me, Okay. So I look at this and I said, you know what? I was disappointed. There was a part of the, when this thing first started, I was in depression. You know, we, we tend to find that in our lives, there's a consistent pattern of how the world works. It's a constant, I'm wanting to get you in disappointment. Because if I can ever get you into disappointment, then depression is just on the other side of some decisions. But before I get too deep into that, I am going to bring back up what I had last week just, just to kind of show everybody because it's going to be important for you to understand the expectation and the hope. Uh, last week, we, the, the key verse that I've pulled out here for this series is Philippians 119 through 21. And it says, for I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope. We know that by the Greek, that these words mean, in, that earnest expectation means intense anticipation and hope means confidence. See, Paul himself was in prison writing to the Philippians. He had complete confidence and he was anticipating the Spirit of God was going to do some stuff. He was, very, he was very encouraged, if you will, by his confidence and his anticipation. He was not in the mully grubs. He was not in the, in the down in the dumps. Paul was telling the Philippians, hey, I'm going to tell you what, there's going to be some good stuff that's going to happen even though I'm in prison. How many people do you think in here, if you were in prison right now, would be going, I'm anticipating some really good stuff? <laughs> Nobody. I'm in prison. 
Not unless it was like, hey, I'm getting out in two days. You know, that might be something that I'm anticipating. But still, my hope would be kind of low. But it says here in verse 20, according to my earnest hope, that intense anticipation and confidence that nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now as also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether in life or death. For to me is to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do you know that if we keep our eye on the ball, if we keep Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, if we keep him in our sights, then now we can actually have hope and expectation even if we were in prison. I mean, Paul and Silas was in prison. They started singing and praising, you know, boogieing. They started getting down, you know, singing to the Lord. And all of a sudden, the angels came down there and started rocking and rolling with them and shook off all the chains. Knocked the, knocked the doors open, sent them out there. They were in that Holy Ghost run, hallelujah. And they ran all the way back over to Peter. And no one even believed it. They said they must have died. They're a ghost. Do you know that, that this is, you know, I make a little bit of fun because I want this to be a good time. I want people to understand that having confidence and having an anticipation for something means that I'm not worried. I'm not worried about what's going to happen next. It may look really bad right now, but guess what? I see something beyond my situation. So I'm going to call, so, so disappointment, depression, and despair. I'm calling them the three D's, okay? So the three D's that we have here, one D leads to another. If you get in disappointment, it can follow by depression. It can follow into despair. And, you know, I, I'm going to use 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 um, here. And it says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. So perplexed means there's no way out. If you go back to the Greek, it means that they got me boxed in. I'm in prison. I have no way to get out of this situation. So we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. It says persecuted, but not forsaken. We're uh, Not forsaken means left behind. So, so we're persecuted, but we're not left behind. It says, struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always caring about the body. That, that word right here, every time in the word, when you, see, when you see the body, it means the church. Okay? If it says your body or my body, it's, it's a single individual. Okay? Or it's a set of individuals. But when it says the body... It means the church. In fact, ecclesiastia is the actual word for church. It, in the Greek, it actually means a body of Christian believers or a body of Jewish Christian believers. See, what we have to understand is, is that Jesus said that I will build my church upon the rock when talking to Peter. 
The rock was that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He was King of kings and Lord of lords. And see, when Jesus came, he didn't have this earthly kingdom that he could go and, you know, they went and set him up on the throne. No, Jesus said, I am the life. And what I build out of this revelation that Peter had, well, that revelation is going to take and build my body. So the body is the church. The body is also Jesus. You know that we're his body? You know, the church is his body. It says it over and over again in the Bible. 67 times the church is used, by the way. In fact, Paul loves to call us the body of of Christ. He uses it more than 14 times in his teachings. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. It's over and over and over and over again. So we need to understand that the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ is in the body. So that should make sense. I used to take this that Jesus was dying in my body. But no, Jesus, his death brought about the promises of God for the church. So his death gave us the ability for us to have peace and healing and prosperity. There is nothing that in his dying he didn't take care of. And it is for the church. It is for us as the body. So right here it says, it says in verse 10, it says, always caring about in the church, I'm just gonna replace that, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. That is us. So constantly, There is things going on that we need Jesus' promises. So right now we have a body of believers in here and somebody may be going through something, okay? I'm gonna pick on Amy. She's in there because Amy and Heather, they go walking every day. Well, let's just say for an example that Heather has got a problem and she needs to expel that problem. And Amy's walking with her and they start talking about the problem, okay? This problem in the body can, be, can make manifest Jesus in us by us. Do you know that Heather's problem can be fixed by having another person in the body take control of that situation? They can help to agree They can help to talk it through. They can help to manifest God's will through Jesus into the body of Christ being singly in you. See, that's the beauty of the body of Christ. That's why we should never get away from the body of Christ. Because the further we get away from the body of Christ, the more alone we are. And then we don't have people to walk with us We don't have people to be able to talk with us. We don't have people to be able to agree with us. Now, we don't agree about the problem. We agree about the promise, right? Like if Heather said, hey, I'm having this problem at work. Heather's not even working right now. Hey, I'm having this problem. Dusty keeps wanting me to like go and and make a 
you know, make roast for dinner every single night. And I just don't want to do it. Well, you know, that's a stupid thing for me to, to sit here and give you an example about. But you know what? There are people that have family issues at home. Hey, my husband's being a jerk. Hey, my kids are being a jerk. Hey, my parents are being a jerk. That's not the only things that happen, okay? So, but there are lots of jerks out there. But what I want you to understand is, is that the body of Christ, life circumstances, evil advancing. Right now, we can turn on the TV. You find evils advancing. There's lots of things that are, that are not truth that are being propagated to us every single day. Family problems, health. The church helps hurting members. That's how we get people. You know, the other day I was watching this thing on YouTube and there was a guy and he said, he, he runs a ministry, he does a lot of stuff on YouTube and he, was, he said that he was in Publix, he was buying something and then all the, he said, I just, for like a day or two, I just thought to myself, you know, a rapper brings out this song and a million people goes out there and buys their song and it's talking about killing people and doing all kinds of debaucherous things. And he said, I'm doing this ministry and I may be touching a hundred people or less. And he said, I'm walking around. He said, and all of a sudden, he goes, I come to the checkout line and this late older lady comes up to him and says, hey, God told me to tell you that he has your back and that he is going to work it all out. Don't get discouraged by other people. And she said, you are blessed, prayed for him right quick and took off. And he was like, thank you, thank you. And he said, I'm just crying like a baby. He started out the video, this is the reason why I watched it, that entertaining angels, right? Just like what Paul was talking about. But the thing is, is that angels, angelos, means messenger. So if Heather and, and Amy are walking together, Heather's got a problem, and Amy has the answer, who has she just become? The messenger. She becomes angelos to someone else. Do you know that as, as people in the body of Christ, we become people's angels all the time. We're entertaining angels all the time. Now, I believe we're entertaining spiritual angels, but I also believe that God gives the body a purpose. There's a reason why I believe you don't see a lot of angels nowadays when it comes to the body of Christ is because God gave a purpose for the body. The body of Christ was us to listen to God and God to tell us and then we go tell others, right? Because he said, go out into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel's the good news. It's not just Jesus saves because there's people who already believe that, but they need a message of hope and they need a message of intense anticipation to look past their problem. And see, this is the, the problem that I believe that we have in the body of Christ is that people don't want that. I want to show up on Sunday morning and I don't want anybody to see me. I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, I used to, we used to do praise and worship. Heck, I heard, I mean, I saw people out in the, in the congregation, but
But I was already there. I was already on stage. People were coming in. I'm playing my song. I go down. I sit. I listen to the message. The pastor would have us go back up on the stage. We're playing as everybody's walking out the door. I didn't want to talk to anybody for almost 10 years. I mean, it was literally like 10 years. I walked up on stage every single day. I'm playing, you know. And the next thing you know, it's like, well, I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't see anybody. You know what? After a while, it was okay. <coughs> after a while, I was like, hey, I, that's, that's a good thing, right? I'm, I'm protecting my anointing. I'm keeping people, I'm keeping the, the refuge and the riffraff away from me. You know that's wrong. Just absolutely, totally wrong. I will tell you this, right now, angels and things like that are showing up to non-believers. That you actually... Go back to the Old Testament and see how angels dealt with, with people because that's the way, that's what angels do a lot more. Especially in areas where there are no Christians. There are angels that are manifesting themselves in places like Iran and Iraq and in China and all this. I'm seeing it all over the place. I've talked to people that I, go, that I went to school with. I know it's happening. Because angels had to deal with man based upon not having another messenger. That was the way that God did it. So when Daniel was standing there talking to, to Nebuchadnezzar and, and he's having to, to tell what the dream was about, there was an angel in his ear telling him, hey, this is what's going on. Because he didn't have the Spirit of God on the inside of him. But see, Jesus came to manifest the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And see, that's the beauty of this is that as we live our lives, sometimes we're so blinded by our own mind, will, and emotions that we cannot see what God's trying to tell us. We need somebody else to come and help us along. So I wanted to give you, I went to dictionary.com. Disappointment, I thought this was awesome. Disappointment is sadness and anxiety that is caused by non-fulfillment of one's hopes and expectations. Now, I didn't go change that. Y'all can go look it up. That's what it says, okay? So disappointment is, is that sadness and anxiety because something didn't get fulfilled that you had confidence and you had intense anticipation of. You know what? I love this sign. I found it on there. It says, welcome to disappointment. Don't stay too long. I need that sign. I want to find it. I want to put it somewhere on a wall because I need to see this for every single day because disappointment's going to come every day. The world is full of disappointment. Do you know that we don't need to stay too long? Because if we stay too long, we get into depression. And depression is a feeling of severe despondency and dejection. You're still holding on. If you've ever been depressed, you're still sort of holding on like, okay, I, I, I still know that it's out there. I'm just depressed by it. And by the way, there are people who are chemically depressed. And when they're chemically depressed, I, I'll tell everybody, go eat lunch before you go to a job interview. Go eat breakfast before you go and do something where you need to actually be happy 
and out there. It's one of the reasons why I drink a cup of coffee and I eat something before I, before I come and do this because I would just be sitting up here going, all right, guys, the Word of God. Because chemically, I need some caffeine to get me going in the morning. I mean, chemically, I need, because I've trained myself that way. So I always tell people, especially my employees at work, I always tell them, if you're feeling down, if there's something going on, because I'll ask them, what's going on? What's happening? And they'll go, oh, I don't know. I just, this is one of those down days. I said, have you ate anything? 90% of the time, I mean, I'm not prophesying, okay? I mean, this is just truth. Eat something. If you can't go back to a disappointment, but you just feel down, go eat something. Let's go see if that makes it better. So I wanted to separate those two out because I get that way myself where I'm sitting there and I'm, I haven't ate anything and I just really am hangry, okay? <laughs> Depression, though, leads to this thing called despair. When you go look up despair, it just means you just gave up. It means I'm done. I'm not even holding on anymore. I'm not even going to think about getting out of this. There is no more hope. And see, that's the piece that God is trying to keep us out of is that place of despair. You know... I will tell you, and this probably looks like you know Heather and Reba's classroom up here. I've got this, I've got this picture of, I got this picture here of you know a teacher. All the kids are throwing spitballs and all this other stuff up here. But you know, humility is to value God's opinion above our value, or above our opinion. So in 1 Peter 5, uh, 5 through 7, likewise, younger people submit. This word submit is, is uh, hypostasis. It actually is a Greek military term. The term means uh, to with a voluntary attitude in giving, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying burdens. So submission just doesn't have to do with like, I remember when mom would, you know, mom when I was a teenager, she'd come in and say, go take the garbage out. And if I said yes, then that meant I submitted to her authority. But if I said, no, I'm not going to do it, or I'll do it later, that I wasn't submitting. That's not what this means. This means right here that I'm willing to take responsibility. I'm willing to actually, if I need to, lead. So submission would actually be mom didn't even have to come to me and say, go take the garbage out. It was my job to take it out. It was my responsibility. So the submission was, is mom said, go take out the garbage. And she said, do it every day. And she told me one time. And then from that point on, I said, oh, I got to go take out the garbage. I'm going to take responsibility I'm going to take my response. I'm going to bear that burden for mom. And I'm going to go take out the garbage. See, that would have been submission. Not every, every day she comes to me and goes, did you take the garbage out? Yes, I'm going to submit to you. And I go and I grab all the garbage out. Do you see the difference? See, when I take responsibility for something, then that means that 
it's not something that I'm doing de- in this like dejected way or I'm doing it in, in this way that I'm just trying to, that I'm just trying to get by, right? Essentially, I'm actually saying, you know what? I'm submitting myself to other people in a way that I take responsibility for. So here when Peter says, likewise, you younger people submit, take responsibility of, for your actions with yourself and with your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive. Same word, it says, to one another and be clothed in humility. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know that this... God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble is actually an Old Testament scripture out of Proverbs 3.34. You know, God resists the proud. So let's just say, for an example, Caleb, when he was like 12 years old, he thought it was cool to drive the rod and right? Okay? So I, I said, okay, you can drive the rod and And so, you know, I'm out there with him and and he would kick it up into fast and put it all the way down. And he's not really cutting grass because he's going so fast, right? And I would have to go, hey, 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 stop, 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 stop. And he would go, what, what? And I would go, slow down. Slow down and cut the grass. See, God resists. It, this word resist means to put some restraint on but it doesn't mean that you can't get past the restraint. So it's a teachable thing. God resists the proud people. The proud people are the people who are unteachable, right? So the people who are in submission, they equal, they equal the flexible people. They're the ones that goes, show me how to do this. Show me how... To, to be the best. I'm going to take responsibility for this. I'm going to take my responsibility for this and I'm going to do it the right way. And God goes, well, let me show you. And, that, and it's like, like this God? And he said, yes. And so now, you know, when I told Caleb how to do it, he was like, well, then I'm not resisting him. In fact, eventually, I took my, I, took, I stopped even standing in the yard. Eventually, I went inside the house. Do you see what I'm saying about this? Now, if Caleb was like, Dad, I know how to do it, and I'm just going to run around here and all that, I would have resisted him. Number one, because I didn't want him to flip the thing over and kill himself, right? God's doing the resisting to try to keep you from killing yourself. He's trying to get you to the point to where you can be teachable. Can I teach you how to do this? So it says, therefore, in verse six, therefore, humble. This word humbles to have modest opinion of oneself. So therefore, have a modest opinion of yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you to elevate you in due time. It'd be just like with Caleb. I have exalted Caleb to the to the to the primary grass cover. I'm gonna tell you what he is. It okay? Yeah. Oh, there he is. Look at him in all of his glory. So God 
quits resisting person, person A when he is proud. And when person A now becomes teachable, he exalts him to take over. I no longer have to hold him back. Do you understand that this has to do because of verse 7? Cast all of your care. This is uh, mermina. It means anxiety upon him. For he cares. This is not the same word. It's milo. He cares for you. It means he's concerned for you. He believes in you. He wants you to succeed. He has something for you to do. And you know what? I'm going to stop right there. I've got more to say on this subject, but I wanted to... I wanted to get us started right there because God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. And as we are going through life, there are times that we feel like that, that we're being held back. God, why do I not have a direction? You know, God's not holding us back by not giving us the job because there's lots of factors for you not getting a job. Number one, other people's will. But you know what? I found out that most of the time, even in my own life, that I apply for a job and then I get feedback that I really stunk it up. You mean, you mean God's not you know, taking your body over and making you the most perfect uh, you know, person to go in there for the job interview? The answer is no. He's trying to prepare you. He's trying to give you opportunity so that you can grow. He's trying to give you the purpose and the plan so that now you're in relationship with him and that he can exalt you. You know, there's been a lot of job interviews that I've went on. There's been a lot of times where I wasn't prepared. I mean, I'm going to tell you preaching. You know, when I first started doing this years ago, like, the first time I ever preached, it was horrible. I mean, it was terrible. Y'all may actually think that what I'm doing is bad. It was so much worse back then, okay? But what you have to understand is, is that God was like, I'm going to give you an opportunity to show you how bad you were. Because it was. I, I went, hey, I'm never doing this again. And then later on, it's like the Lord just kept putting me in places and, and doing things. And little by little, he taught me ways that it was my way. Because I would look at Pastor Jim, or I would look at Little Jim, or I would look at you know, Jesse Duplantis, or I would look at any minister that I saw, and I thought, oh, I've got to be like them. Well, no, I've got to be like me. And I've got to do what is best for me. You know what? God actually gave me opportunities through work to do presentations, God gave me the ability to see through church how I could give testimonies and how I could do things that brought the right amount of me to the situation without you getting the wrong amount of me, okay? Because I'm going to tell you what, there's certain parts of me you don't want when I'm preaching, okay? Because I can be, I can be just as mean and just as whatever as anybody else, you know? But you know what? God constantly fixed me in a way to where I said, okay, now I'm ready 
See, exalting just means you're ready. It means God has got his purpose, has got his plan. And now we're able to be exalted. So right here, always learn, always grow, and always trust in the Lord. Amen. Did y'all learn anything today? Amen. Amen.